Fast Forward Productions, the women are speaking. And so oftentimes I can't wait to access your energy in the room. I am aware of your energy, but I can't necessarily operate in your energy. So I shoot past you to let you know I am only here as a reflection to what you already possess. I am an irritant, I am that agitator that moves things around that have been lying dormant. That's really it. It's like, I just reintroduce you to your dopeness and I help you to retrieve and excavate assets that have been lying dormant or potential you didn't know that you had. The casting process can often prove to be a mystery. The industry is complicated and decisions are nuanced with no clear path to understanding the how or the why. I'm Amanda Doyle, casting director and director of casting relations at Castability. Never before has data science been applied to an artistic process like casting an actor. Castability provides objective data, tracking each unique casting decision, giving actors and casting professionals an ability to analyze their craft. In this podcast, we will dive deep into the exploration of the creative decision-making process and reveal all that we discover in our mission to make these creative decisions quantifiable. Welcome to Castability, the podcast hosted by the Castability team. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the 12th episode of the Castability podcast. I can't believe we're already on episode 12. That's crazy. Today, I have a guest co-host in my dear, dear friend, Jessica Sherman. Hello, Jess. Hello. So happy to be here. Yes. And the reason I invited Jessica to co-host with me today was because we are interviewing the most incredible human being I think either of us have ever crossed paths with. We met her together in the same moment while we were on the ground at Sundance. She was so inspiring that I was like, I just, I have to talk to her. I have to talk to her more. I want to know more about her. I want to know everything about her. I want to know <laughs> what she does, who she is, and why. And that person is KJ Rose. Yes. In addition to being a magical unicorn, she is also the author of The Rose Effect, Eight Steps to Delivering the Performance of Your Life, and an artist development and performance director. She is also a founder of The Rose Effect, LLC, a global stage consultancy that helps creatives, executives, and artists of all disciplines push beyond their perceived capacity. Her focus is to exponentially expand the levels of presence, connectivity, and personalization for every person she encounters, which we firsthand have experienced. And she is affectionately known <laughs> as the artist whisperer, as highlighted in Rolling Stones magazine. Woo. Wow. I mean, that is so incredibly impressive and true. The idea that she is the artist whisper is exactly the energy and what I received from her in that moment before I even got to introduce myself and say, hello, what's your name? Nice to meet you. I'm Amanda. You know what I mean? So I was just like, that is just so incredible. I mean, she has worked with artists across the board, kind of helping them step into who they really are and into their power before they go and do these big performances in front of millions of thousands and thousands of people, millions of people if they're televised, et cetera. And we're talking about like Lil Nas X and Nas, the Lumineers, P. Diddy, Justin Timberlake, Britney Spears, Janet Jackson. Across the board, she's 
an inspiration. And in her own words, you will hear how she works through that process with them and helps them kind of figure out exactly how to enter into each space and how to reset to get the best experience for them in that moment. And, and so it's, she's just really inspiring and I'm really excited about our conversation with her. Yes, and to share the gift that is KJ Rose. Here we go. Today on the Castability Podcast, I've got my co-host, Jessica Sherman. She's a guest host today because... We are talking to our friend KJ Rose, who we met at Sundance together, and we are so excited to introduce our audience to KJ and her ethos and everything she stands for. So KJ, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. This is like full circle, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Honestly, it feels like the gift of Sundance to us was you, honestly. I am so genuinely excited to know you and to get to know you more. And, you know, the more I learn about you, the more I am fascinated and excited by you. So we're excited to share you with everyone else. Yeah. Yes. We, we were at Macro and we saw Misty Copeland speak about her new production company and you jumped up on stage at the end and engaged the audience. And it was just the most incredible thing I've ever seen. And I looked at Jess and I was like, we have to find her later. And I think we just like randomly walked up to you and just accosted you. <laughs> It happened in a very organic way because then we decided not to do it that day. And then we, we've like ran into you at the color creative mixer and we knew it was meant to be that we would be friends with you. (laughs) This is exciting. I mean, I feel like the macro house is the gift that keeps on giving. And so confirmation for me that I was in the right place. So thank you for still making that effort to, you know, introduce yourselves. And Jess and I have had coffee since then. So it is like the beginning of this beautiful trifecta plus Taylor. So it's a quad. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Okay, KJ. So let's just start where we started. Our first introduction to you was when you hopped up on stage after Misty spoke and her business partner and you engaged the audience. And can you just tell us a little bit about that moment? And I know you've done that many, many times before, but that was our first time experiencing it and experiencing your joy and all of that. So can you explain to our listeners what you did and and how you did it and why? Sure. Funny that you say many times because I try to silo each time. And when I'm working with artists of all disciplines, my mission for them is to never recycle inspiration, right? And so while the core of the message may be the same, the audience is different, the energy is different, and leaving room for that. And so I was brought on by my good friends at Shea Moisture, Kara and Tadra, who had created a tone and theme for the weekend, which was do you, celebrate you, encourage you. And so that allowed me to have a platform from about 10 to 15 minutes to do the same for the audience, to remind them that their purpose in the space was necessary, their presence was necessary, that what they had to offer and contribute was going to be a blessing to someone else. And don't hesitate to declare that and to speak up and to shine. You know, I think oftentimes we, for whatever reason, we either hold back or we move tentatively. And my job was as the physical espresso shot and reminder to everyone that they are a force 
And why wait, you know, to think that it's the the most opportune time or why wait to think that you're ready and you have all the tools that you need as opposed to just getting in flight right now. So that was my mission for that particular stage. And, you know, it was not even expected to have Stacey and Kara and Misty on the stage at the time, because I was like, well, how? I, I don't want to knock anybody over. But, you know, I remember, you know, as an artist, I started as a singer, a vocal artist, and now a performance artist, which kind of shows up in many different ways. And, and I always make sure that the audience knows that they're artists. You guys are artists, right? Because an artist is a creator of something. It's an executor. It's a producer. It's someone that is on the pursuit and has a specific skill that cannot be duplicated. And so sometimes as artists, we can get in our heads and we're like, okay, it's got to go this way. And this is how I know that it will be perfect. And so I, even myself, the reason I believe that you know, my messages resonate with people is because I am still living and moving and directing in real time. And so as much as I project that message, I was still thinking like, okay, this is how it has to go. And when it didn't go that way, one of the other tools that I put in place for myself is to recover quicker from what you thought it was supposed to be. And if you prepare as best as you can, like excavating all your assets and all of your gifts in that moment, you have to trust that how you landed, how it landed was meant to be. That's what I had to do. So even coming off stage, I was like, oh, he did not play the music version of this chant, you know, like I was supposed to do it. And the instrumental of that was supposed to play. But in my brain, that would have equal the perfection of it all. But truly, at the end of the day, the reinforcement of that chant was better than what the music could have done. Can I just piggyback on that? Because the tools to recover quicker, I think that is something I want to dive in on because as humans, we need that. But I think in this capacity from castability and performers and actors, that is such a valuable thing to learn how to do. And how do you do it? It is habits. And here's the thing, you make the space that exists between executing and then the disappointment of your execution starts wide. And so for me, I give myself a pat on the back if I can narrow the space. It doesn't mean that the space has gone all together. It just means that, you know what, you did better than you did before. So the old artist in me really had to retreat for a while so that I could assess and digest before I interacted with others. But I literally came right from the stage into the audience. And so it was a very quick recovery of knowing however it landed, you know, I have to be comfortable with that and know that is exactly how it was supposed to go. Now, another friend, when she saw kind of my, maybe we'll just say my overthinking process, as much as I was smiling, she could tell that I was still thinking about what just happened. And she said, if you reveal that things did not go according to your plan, then sometimes you run the risk of messing up someone else's experience. I was like, good, good point, good point. It's it's trusting yourself. It is trusting yourself and trusting that the people that were in the room and the energy that you brought to the room was by design and not by chance. And for me, the only way I can recover quick is knowing that I covered every element 
every scenario that I spoke to everybody. I did my rehearsals and then I can relegate the rest to that's just how it was supposed to be. But I've got to do my That is so applicable to acting and, and especially now with all of this conversation about going back into spaces and being back in the room and in front of people that are going to be decision making in, in the process of auditioning and all of that. I have seen so many times over the course of my career, an actor do something really lovely. And it's, it's interesting because Jess and I had no idea that any of that was unintentional or what you would consider wrong in any capacity. For us, that experience was so impactful. We intentionally like seeked you out afterwards, <laughs> right? But you know, that, that's so interesting because again, I've seen actors do something really beautiful in the room and then it may not, they, maybe they didn't feel like it landed like they wanted it to or thought it was going to, and we can feel it we can feel that space, right? That space that you talked about between the execution and the disappointment and, you know, whatever, your disappointment and the execution. That can change the energy in the room. It can change people's minds about what you just did. And I've had so many actors come to me afterwards and say, that was the worst audition I ever had. And they book the job if they don't show us that moment. So that's really, really interesting. And, you know, and for everyone listening, KJ is like a multi-hyphenate, absolutely. But she is affectionately known, and this is as the artist whisperer. And can you just talk about that for a second and, you know, how you, you kind of got to that place and what you think your secret to being able to identify these things in other artists and what they need to be able to move forward? Like, where, where did that come from? How did you discover that for yourself? I believe that the beginning of kind of my quest to be a performer, it was the stage fright that existed that truly gave me the fuel to do what I do now, to speak the language of other artists and creatives and to empathize with where they are and have a level and, and to meet them in their passion. And so oftentimes I say to artists, I'm not here to give you anything that you don't already possess. Because as a performance director for artists that are signed to labels or for artists that present on the traditional stage, you know, most times my presence to them says something's wrong. I believe because of my stage fright that it's given me an incredible amount of tools in which I can disarm others because I know what that feels like to judge yourself and then to feel like you're being judged and empathy. I also believe I am equipped with many layers and chambers of energy. And so oftentimes I can't wait to access your energy in the room. I am aware of your energy, but I can't necessarily operate in your energy. So I shoot past you to let you know I am only here as a reflection to what you already possess. I am an irritant. I am that agitator that moves things around that have been lying dormant. That's really it. It's like, I just reintroduce you to your dopeness and I help you to retrieve and excavate assets that have been lying dormant or potential you didn't know that you had. But I think the smallest basis, it would be, this is all built upon my own stage fright that I had, you know, growing up. I was great with choirs and I was an extrovert and I could be 
a part of the cheerleading team, but anything that someone wanted to solo me out for, whether it's to speak, whether it's to announce, whether it's to moderate, my body would have an adverse reaction. And so I would say, you know, coming in with that level of understanding, knowing that there are times you can have an entire lesson plan for that specific artist, but you may have to abandon that because you never know what call they took before they got you, what thoughts they have of you being in their space and just what they're dealing with on a day-to-day basis as an artist. And, you know, sometimes what we allow to penetrate is what causes us to move in either ways that don't serve you or ways that do. And so my job is to always be the physical manifestation of service that works for you. Do you still get stage fright? I now have reassigned the term. Now I say I am extremely excited about this new opportunity. And what I'm feeling inside is really my desire to leave an impression and to be an impact to the audience. So I have now just, I I take those words and I just kind of shove them to the side, but that is where it all began. And so I, you know, there are times we just have to reframe it so that we can move accordingly. So now I'm like, oh my God, I'm so excited. Even though, you know, I'm like, I'm feeling all the heart beating, all of the, this is about to happen. But now it is because I have just a supreme desire to make sure that people leave better than they came. That's beautiful. It's a mindset thing. It is a mindset thing. Yes, it is. What you think of yourself. And and I always say like, my work is about getting to the heart of your internal narrative, because that is truly just the reflection of your external expression. It's like, by the time we see you, we are either watching you in process of figuring out who you are and and what your why is, or we are watching the evolution of it. Yes. And it's a law of attraction thing. So it's like, essentially like you lean into that law of attraction, like things come to you when you're in that right space that you need and want. I love that. It's incredible. Jess, do you have any like really specific questions? I know. I feel like I have so many questions. Yeah. I feel like, you know, KJ, you've lived so many lives to get to this point, but I just, something that you said in that last beat really resonated with me is that you reintroduce people to their dopeness. And I love that so much because it's like, it really requires someone to have fresh eyes to come into your life and to show you who you really are, because there's so much negative self-talk that we all do to ourselves. And to be able to give that gift to people to be like, you know, this is who you really are. This is like, we can see into the depths of who you are and what you're meant for. And to reframe that for somebody is such a gift. Yeah, it is understanding your force. That's one of the things that I really push artists of all disciplines to find out, like, what is that thing about you that can't be negotiated? I realized that my force before I even kind of gave it this very healthy definition, there was a time it would be kind of interpreted to me that my presence was a lot. You know, why does it take all of that? Why are you doing so much? And I, you know, would sit with it and be like, huh, all right, well, maybe I need to just, you know, back up a little bit. But I realized that energy is my force and I'm not for everybody and that's okay too. And so, but I'm going to move in it because I know that I will inspire and motivate more people than not. 
And so, you know, sometimes we have a tendency to focus on those no's. We'll focus on the 50,000 no's as opposed to the one solid yes. And so I also understand that there is power in your story. And no matter what that is, your story counts. Like you have to have a level of pride in your story so that you present it in a way that you're not apologizing for it and that you're not asking permission to be and to present your story in any way because it should always be that you are offering a piece of your story as opposed to asking permission for them to receive your story. And so I've figured out how to dive all the way into that and personalize it and then re-champion it. We sometimes we're waiting for everybody to validate, you know, before we will truly just become explosive in the space. We're waiting for others to approve what we have and what we offer before we pre-approve ourselves. I, I hate to hear that like people are saying that you, you're taking up too much space. I feel like that's just them being uncomfortable with the lack of space that they're able to consume for themselves. You know what I mean? I, like it's a projection of they want what you have. But what I think is really interesting is that this conversation is about, for the actors listening, it's, it's about presenting and living in your authentic self. And it's not about the work that comes later. It's or like the actual job, which is what we talk about all the time, but it's about being you and moving through the space as your authentic self and that being super magnetic and attractive. And that being one of the reasons why you're successful. I think we get stuck in this space of like, oh, it's all about the work. It's all about the work, but what it really, because you're never in competition with anybody actually, because what you bring to the table is unique to you. And so doing the work that makes you the best representation of yourself is going to do the most for you. That's what essentially KJ is working with at like to accomplish. That for me is what I'm hearing in, in your work. And I think that's incredible and so necessary and something that I think people just don't understand as they're navigating this space. I totally agree. You know, having the confidence and the courage, which I would say is the currency that I bring in the exchange of and takeaway that I try to walk in the room with because it's the vulnerability of it all too. And so walking in to kind of new spaces with artists that are kind of unsure of themselves and also unsure that I can bring anything of value to them. My job is to activate them to fully embrace unequivocally embrace their gifts and their voice and their force. And in order to do that, I have to live that way, but it never is contrived. You know, I'm never coming in, you know, with my own kind of judgment. Like, you know, I check myself before I walk into the room just to kind of get my spirit together and and say, you know, how are you coming in? You know, are you coming in anxious? Because that, like you said, the law of attraction will make someone else anxious. Are you coming in with what you think they should be doing or having a preconceived notion of who they are? Or are you coming in open? Because that openness allows for their freedom to exist and abound in the room. And so I I just try to be that vessel that kind of pull them along in that reintroduction to themselves, you know, and, and also make sure that they know that they're already winning. It's like, what if we walk into a room with that at the forefront of our minds? I'm really already winning. I've already won. Whatever happens in this space is a bonus. 
a great bonus, but it's still a bonus. And because I've already won, I am now offering you a piece of that win. That's why I want everybody to get to, you know, and, and that's for me, I have to reset. Like I can't use yesterday's inspiration to walk in with that level of messaging into new rooms. Like I have to remind myself and I can't recycle it. So that is my ultimate goal to remind people they're already existing in the space of victory and whatever else they do from this point on is an evolution of that victory and, and an addition. Wow. And is it exhausting? The question is really like, we're talking about exchanges of energy, right? And so in the time that you've done this work and, what, and have you learned anything about how to protect your energy and how to kind of refocus and rebuild as you're exchanging and, and kind of giving? Refueling. Yeah. How are you recovering after you're in that space of giving? I think I am still learning. I don't think I knew how to vocalize what was happening for a very long time, which was this exchange of kinetic energy, you know, a movement of allowing someone else to harness mine until they believed in their own. And so there was an early kind of like reaction to that, you know, which was exhaustion, but I couldn't put it into words because I thought maybe it was just physical exhaustion. But then I realized that I am perpetually engaging and disengaging with artists. I am giving them complete access to me and I am creating an atmosphere that makes them feel comfortable and giving me complete access to them. And everybody needs to recharge, you know, after that. It's like, you know, and so I am still learning what that is. And it can be as simple. I've created at least one kind of, I'd like to call it like activation of renewal. I just came up with that. My own activation, how I renew. And sometimes I just go with crab legs. I find, I've identified the things that bring me joy. Now, if I choose to invite them, great. They're going to add to the experience, but they are not the experience. And so it's sometimes going to sit by myself at like the drunken crab. You know, and reflecting on the day and eating, that makes me happy. Sometimes it is when I need to recalibrate, when I have kind of a lot of emotions that I can't, haven't given any sort of order to, then I go hiking, you know, because I know by the time I get to the hike, I will have insight. I will have just a new idea of what that last experience was about. You know, it's my way of processing. And sometimes it's, if I'm in transit, I just stop and get some fries. So it's like, you know, <laughs> or celebrate with friends or go dancing, you know? So I have identified those things that can bring me back to life. Pull you back down. Yeah. It, to me, you sound like, like a textbook empath who's, you know, giving and taking, giving and taking and, and in the best way. But like that is, you know, I identify as an empath, but don't really understand how much of an empath I was until I was forced to be on my own, like in this last three years of like having to have like little to no contact with the outside world. And it's a real gift that I missed exchanging energies, right? Exchanging energies in person. And it can be done virtually, but you know, there's something really specific about being in a space with somebody and that that feeling and we all missed it, you know. And I, I think that was part of what attracted us to you on that stage so much in that moment was just your 
energy that we could feel from, we were standing in the back of the room. We were basically hiding in the back of that room. I would say, yes. Yeah. Do you agree? Like we, agree. we snuck in and we were like, oh, wow, Misty Copeland. We love her. That's We're so excited to see her speak. And we were just like standing and like, I think there wasn't even a chair for, I was, I had taken one chair, but there wasn't a second chair. So Jess was just, we were just like cowering in the corner. And then you popped up on stage and just brought us to our feet. And it was just like, wow. Yeah. And so I just missed that. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just as a, re- a reflection of like, why we were so attracted to you and kind of, you know, what, what it is about you and what it is about your general being that is so magnetic, magnetic and what artists can learn from that magnetism. Right. And that, and just you in general. Yeah. I don't believe for a second that you're not for everyone. I think everyone should have a little piece of KJ Rose because you're so magical and such a bright light. And uh, like, I am so, I'm so grateful to know you. Well, I am grateful for you guys, number one, for coming and not even knowing what it was going to be and for just allowing me to share this space with you. And I think, you know, the, the misconception is that performance directors don't necessarily need or desire to have messaging that reminds them that they're on the right track. You just put your head down and keep going. But I enjoy to just pop out every now and then and to hear the feedback and to know that, all right, because you want to course correct if it's not landing because you could be in your head like, I have done it, it is done. You know, and it's just like, okay, but did it land? In your you did it, but how is it being interpreted by other people? You know what you desire to do, but to hear that interpretation from someone else and their own experience of you is widely helpful. So I am just, I'm thankful to you. And it's funny because I just worked with Nas for his first time headline at the garden. And one of his testimonies was that I am the spirit and the soul. I help bring out the spirit and the soul of the performance. I was like, huh, I've never, you know, said it or seen it in that way, but it gives me additional ammunition to now be intentional with making that type of declaration and letting that be kind of the new mantra and the new mandate for how I exist. I want to build foundations in humans that become doubt proof and fear proof and inadequacy proof and negative opinions of others proof and self-sabotaging proof. So that is my ultimate mission and how I'd like to show up in this world. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Incredible. We are so lucky to know you, KJ. Thank you so much for being with us today, for saying all you've said. We'll have you back. We'll talk about this more, but we just, we adore you. We think you're incredible and we can't wait to see what you do next. Oh, I'm grateful. And I'm looking forward to a part two. Yes. If you got anything else, we can do a couple more minutes. Okay. <laughs> One more minute. <laughs> I mean, it's just when we talk to you again, I would really love to maybe focus on one specific thing and lean into exploring and discovering something that could really benefit 
actors as they approach an audition process or approach like going into that space and entering into that room and be having a really focused conversation about how to prepare and how to get into that mindset to overcome their fear of that space. Because in every situation I've ever been in where I've had to have an actor come in front of, even if it's just me or it's me and a conference room of executives at ABC or wherever, there's so much fear that can be felt in the space. How do we prepare to enter that space? Even if there is fear, how do we transfer that fear into something else that we can, that the room can feel energetically? How can we use it? So, you know, next time I would really love to focus on like giving our listeners something tangible to like move forward with in regard to that approach, because I think you're the best person to kind of help guide that conversation and, and give them some tips and tricks and in regard to how to do that. Well, I've got two that they can use in the meantime. I have a series of power chants called Adjust Your Crown, Activate Your Force. There are eight of them. I call them the espresso shot of motivation. It's used to combat, it, they're 30 seconds. They're quick jolts, again, to remind you of your dopeness before you're entering a room that you feel like, you know, it's bigger than the space you take up. Whether you have a level of doubt or you're feeling inadequate, it is a quick way to just have new messaging to replace the messages of fear with messages that say, you are the yes you've been waiting for. Don't you ever forget what you came here for. And no matter what, you just make it count. Take up space with your gift. That's what it's about. So that's one of the power chants that they can get now. It's currently on Pandora, Apple Music, Amazon Music. It's available. And I've also written a book called The Rose Effect, Eight Steps to Delivering the Performance of Your Life. So another tangible piece that has an actionable segment that allows you to dive in and to kind of create the new existence, the new messaging that you seek. And that's on Amazon and Barnes and Nobles. Yes, that's so perfect. I love that because, you know, we talked early on about let's like end the episode with like, what books are we reading right now? What are we digesting and what are we consuming to try to help us move through this space? And that is exactly what I think everyone needs is something tangible, something actable. It's an actable objective, everyone, right? Like go get yourself a copy of The Rose Effect, read it and absorb it and feel it and listen to it and have that help you move through into the next chapter of all of our collective experience. I just downloaded the power chance while you were talking about it. So I'm ready. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, that is so cool. Yes. Well, KJ, thank you again. You're the best. We will continue this conversation. We'll all go read the book and then we'll report back. Let, let's do that. Okay, yeah. You can tell me like which chapter you'd like me to elaborate on. Each chapter is really just anecdotal accounts of my time, my journey in the music industry and the lessons that I learned, you know, whether it was singing at the Apollo or working for Clive Davis or, you know, singing background on an album. And it's just because I think a lot of times people think that you have just arrived when they see a glimpse of the success and the victories to them. It's like, oh my God, this is great that this is happening for them, but it's been happening for years. And so I am here to obliterate the process because that way people know that it's attainable and they won't have a false sense of the work that is necessary to claim the victory. Wow. Yes. That's it. Yeah. Ah, oh, amazing. 
Thank you. I'm excited. Thank you so much for having me. Have a blessed day. Let's go. Women's History Month. Go! <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Women's History Month. Yes. Thank you, KJ. Have a beautiful day. Bye. Bye. Oh my gosh, KJ. <laughs> She's just amazing. She's incredible. And I, I think, you know, just to give context for, we kind of entered into this conversation without giving any context as to like what Jess and I like really experienced in that space at Sundance. Again, we were standing in the back of the room. <laughs> we were like the last ones in. We were like, oh, cool. We're going to go see, you know, Misty Copeland speak. We love her and her producing partner. They're doing some really incredible things with their new production company. And we were like really engaged in that conversation, but also kind of just like quietly standing in the back, like listening and, you know, observing. And that's just kind of our MO in general. Like Jess and I, we had to really hold each other's hands, like through the Sundance experience and be like, okay, I'm going to go. She's like, she just came up to me at one point. She's like, I'm going to go talk to people. I think you should too. And I'm like, <laughs> Yes. We're so alike in the sense that our place of comfort is in a corner. And so we tend to gravitate. Yeah. Our comfort is in observance. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> but that's our profession is to watch people to, you know, to have that experience. And so we just tend to gravitate towards the corner and not to engage with people to a degree. And so that was something that we both had to remind each other of, of just like, you know, step away from your comfort zone, get in the middle of the room instead of the corner of the room. And start talking to people. Right. So anyway, so we're standing in the back of this this room and it's not a huge space. I mean, how many people do you think were sitting in the chairs? Maybe like 50 to 75, something like that? Yeah, something like that. Like it was a small space. There was a stage. So KJ hops up after they've had this like really beautiful conversation with Misty and her producing partner. And she starts, she does one of her chants with the audience and she starts and she's just, and we're like, wait, we're supposed to say, are we supposed to say this? And I was like, are we supposed to, oh, okay. We're supposed to say this back to her. And she's like, I say this, you say this, you know, and then she'd say the thing and we'd say it back and she'd say the thing and we'd say it back. And by the seventh, she just kept making us, the audience, us, I, I'm speaking for all of us, do it over and over and over again, because she was waiting for us to really engage with her energetically as an audience, as a whole, as a unit, she was waiting waiting for us to really get up there and to feel our energy engage back with her. She got us there. We probably did it like 10 to 15 times before she got us, but she just kept going. She's like, again, again, again. And we finally, by the end of it, we were up on our feet. We were so engaged. The entire space had this energetic shift. And like what you were saying before, Jess, like by the time we all left that space, it was a different energy than when we started. Absolutely. And I think, you know, it's the energy exchange, but it's also like taking ownership over those words that she was trying to sort of like embed in us to take our power back, because that's something that we, you know, we talked about earlier is that we often give our power away so freely, whether you're an actor going into an audition room, a casting director who's trying to get a job, like whatever it is, we hand that over and giving the power to the people that are the decision makers. We are in our own right, decision makers of what position we're willing to put ourselves in. If we want to engage on this project, if we want to audition for this role, we are making that decision. We have that power. It is our prerogative to keep that power. It's a decision you have to make for yourself. That's the mindset. You're putting yourself in the mindset to make that decision, to empower yourself, to walk into these spaces and own them for lack of a better word and be your most authentic self in that space. And so we were just so genuinely taken 
with her and her energy. Because in my time, I'm sure in your time too, Jess, there's been a handful of artists that I've encountered in person that I could say energetically occupy that space that she's trying to, you know, get everybody into. Those artists are typically very famous. So it's something that is either inherent or it's something that they've learned. And it is probably the reason why they're as successful as they are because it's it's almost, you know, and I, I used to say that when you're in the presence of someone who is a star, it's something that you can't quite explain. There's a magnetism to these people that like you just can't put your finger on, but you can feel it and you know it. But what I learned today is that potentially it can be taught. You can be taught to pull it out of yourself. If you surround yourself with the right people and the people who can teach you how to kind of stand in your own power, it's a confidence that just many, many, many people don't have. That's what's so interesting to me about her and what she brings to the table in general. I just, I'm so inspired by her. And, you know, the reminder that like, we're all artists. Cause like, I, <laughs> you know, for the CSA, when I was on the board, I've helped facilitate that what we co- were calling the archival project at the time. I got to interview all these incredible artists. And one of the questions that I asked them was, can you describe the art of casting? How are you an artist? What does the art of casting look like? And not a single one of them, not only could they not explain it, they almost like cowered when I asked them the question. It was almost as if the question itself was too much for them. The question itself was essentially me calling them an artist and they couldn't internalize that. They couldn't handle it. They were just like, oh, I don't know. Uh, the art of casting is, and then some of them would just describe what we do, like the logistics of what we do. And I was like, no, 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 no. That's not what I mean because it's kind of subjective. It's like, it's curating a museum with human beings. You know what I mean? I don't know how to even describe it, but seeing something in someone else that maybe they don't even see in themselves. And there is an art to that. But even to this day, when someone calls me an artist, I'm like, oh, I don't know. I just, you know, really like people. And I don't, I'm not really like, that's not, no, no, no. That's them, not me. But it's not true. It's not true. Anyone in this creative industry, anyone who is helping facilitate the creation of these pieces of art are artists, period. And so just the inspiration and the acknowledgement of that through her, for me, for you, you know, for anyone who isn't like doing the thing on camera, but is helping facilitate that, a reminder that we're all artists. And that's why we chose to be in this very difficult business. <laughs> you know what I mean? We're, I feel lucky to be able to call this my job. For me, when she was talking, I was listening more than than talking. I, I felt like during the conversation, because I think, you know, we're, we're both in the same place right now within our lives and our careers that, that so much of what she said, I was just trying to take it and apply it to my mental state right now. It's so valuable and it's so, so transferable and into everything. And I think that that idea that whatever that X factor is that she's able to bring out in people, it's something that you never really think about it as a space of like, it's in us, it's just dormant and we have to figure out how to awaken it. And, And that's something just having this conversation, it's like, I need to take time and process all of that and how that affects me in this moment right now. Absolutely. It's just so applicable to everyone, truly. And, you know, she even spoke to that. She spoke to like, this is not just for actors or singers. It's for every human being learning how to stand in your power and learning how to approach every situation with the right mindset so that you can find success for yourself in that situation and identifying like, as you're approaching that situation, what 
about that situation will make it successful for you. There's so much to think about with like what you just said, like there's so much to, to sit with and think about and absorb. So yeah. So I really do encourage everyone listening to her mantra that she has available on, what did she say? Spotify? They're everywhere. It sounds like Amazon. Yeah. Adjust your crown is what it's called. Activate your force. And it's KJ Rose. Rose. And then her book is called The Rose Effect. Let's all sit with this for a second. Take a listen, take a read, and then come back to us. You know, email us with questions or call us with questions and we'll bring her back and we'll have a conversation about what we all learned. Okay. So P.S., Jessica and our friend Jen Presser have started their own podcast called Tipsy Casting. (laughs) And I wanted to give Jess an opportunity to talk about that really fast. Um, It's already available on all platforms and it is incredible. So Jess, tell us a little bit about Tipsy Casting. Yeah. I mean, it came out of a space of, uh, as casting directors, we don't really have an opportunity or a platform to speak our piece through all of the different things that are going on in the industry and uh, to speak to the people that we've built relationships over the decades that we've been in casting. So we wanted to create that space for ourselves and our community while having a few cocktails (laughs) and really, (laughs) really create an open and safe environment for people to share their stories. Our very first guest is Christopher Chung from Slow Horses. We have a lot of fun. We talk about different cocktails we love, but also all the stories that we haven't shared before. So I'm hoping everybody tunes in. (laughs) So you're, okay, so Jen is now over in London. You're in Los Angeles and you're interviewing actors, you're interviewing artists, and you're sharing, you're having a virtual wine or whatever the drink of choice is as you're speaking. So who knows what's going to be said, which is very exciting and probably absolutely hilarious and worth a listen. <laughs> absolutely. That's what we're hoping for. And, and it's going to, it's a great time for sure already. I love it. And I've already asked to be a guest. I have not yet been invited to be a guest, but I literally can't wait. So you will be, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. I'm, like, I'm like, this is thrilling and hilarious and I can't wait. Thank you just for hosting with us again today. We appreciate you. Love you as always. And we'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Bye. Bye. The Castability app was created by Jay Boyer. Castability, the podcast, is produced by Fast Forward Productions. And hosted by the Castability team. Thanks for listening. 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 listening.